Well, good morning, Embrace. Good morning, and welcome to Embrace. Happy Sunday. Uh, we get to be together today. I'm so excited. Well, my name is Pastor Tanya. I'm one of the associate pastors here. So if I've not met you yet, I can't wait to meet you. But this is your official welcome from us. Um, we would love for you to know a bunch of things, and they are all in our announcements. If you didn't pick one up when you walked in from that door or that door, these are announcements. To my online people, I will be online in just a minute to talk to you, but I'm going to post them. They come in an email, so I will post them online in just a few moments. One of the things that I want to share, too, is that we have a dedicated prayer team who keeps all of your prayers confidential, so we would love to hear from you on this Connect card. Or if you are new and we haven't heard from you before, we would love to get to know you. If you would fill out this Connect card, someone will be in touch with you. We're about to worship in just a moment, but we also like to continue our worship by giving. And there's a giving box back there in the back. There's a giving box there. And, of course, you can always give online. But I would love our worship team to kick it off and welcome us into this space. Welcome the Holy Spirit here. Good morning. Welcome to Embrace. Do you all to stand and join us in this call to worship. Oh, Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you. As the day rises to meet the sun, glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Amen. Join us this morning as we sing the reality that we get to live in because of the resurrection of Jesus. Easter is not over. We are in the season of Easter tide, And so we're going to sing a song this morning that helps us to declare everything is different because of what has occurred, and everything can be different in you this morning, no matter what you're bringing into this space. So let us sing together. The empty filled, the wounded healed, the broken back together, the poor are blessed, the weary rest, and we will dance forever. The blinded see, the chained are free, the doubtful now
And let us continue in a spirit of worship as we recite this confession together. We know that nothing is able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Let us in freedom confess the wrong we have done. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And as the truth of Easter reminds us we have received the forgiveness which we seek, let us continue this morning by sharing our time of gratitude and lament together. This is an opportunity for us to really be the body to one another, to come in and to share your whole self with your members of the family of faith and with God. You do not have to come into this place and put on a happy face. If you are celebrating something, please share it. But if you've come in with something heavy on your heart this morning as well, maybe something broken in the world or in your own life that you just want to lament, that is worship too, my friends. So let's take a few moments, just turn to a few people nearby, share your gratitude and lament, and we'll come back together to sing a little bit more.
like to invite you to go ahead and find your seats. We're going to continue to worship together this morning. As we prepare to sing these next couple songs, I want to take just a moment to remind us why we come together and we sing in the first place. Some of you might be wondering why we spend so much time every week singing. Why do we just want to hear ourselves? Do we think the worship band sounds good? Is it just a time filler? Like, why do we sing together? And I want to just say this morning that we sing because it's a way for our whole being to use our breath to remember our story. That we get to declare what it is that God has done and is doing. We get to encourage and remind each other what it looks like to step into that. Sometimes our songs are directed at God or from God or at one another. And all of those different kinds of songs are meant to help form us and to strengthen us and to remind us where our real story and our real identity lies. And so this song that we're going to sing next is a new song for our congregation, but it is a song that tells our whole story. So we're in Eastertide. We just had Easter last week. We're headed towards Pentecost at the end of this 50-day season. So we're not quite there yet, and the song goes there, but it's okay because it's our story. And we're just going to take a moment this morning to remind ourselves what our story really is and that this Easter story is, it is the climax. It is a turning point, but we are still living it, and this is still true for us today. So I'd invite you, if this is new to you, to sing as you catch on or just to let the words wash over you. But be reminded this morning, be encouraged and strengthened that this story is more true of you than so many of the other stories that our culture tries to tell. So please join us as we continue to worship. Oh 
till the stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe, for the souls of all who had come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born, then the Spirit lit the flame, now this gospel truth of
Well, this morning is an exciting morning for multiple reasons. I get to introduce my friend and favorite professor to you in a bit. But first, it's exciting because we are opening the third Wonder Room classroom this morning. Yes. And so at this time, I'm going to dismiss all of the kids and their leaders to come over to this side and head to their three different classrooms together. And if you do not know the new age distribution, everybody through second grade will still be upstairs. And third and fifth grade is now downstairs in the room next to the nursery. So if you need help finding your child later, there are plenty of people who can help you. <laughs> Let's go ahead and give them a hand as they leave. Awesome. All right, thank you so much. And now I'm going to invite Leandra to come and share an announcement with us once we have the excitement of the departure settle a little bit. Good morning. All right, good morning. My name is Leandra Padgett-Thompson and I'm a member of the lead team here at Embrace. And I just want to highlight one of the announcements that's in your um, paper and also went out this morning in the emails. So as many of you are aware, our leadership team has been going through a process of discernment for several years now, kind of paused and interrupted by the pandemic. Um, a process of discernment about um, care and inclusion and issues surrounding the LGBTQ plus community. And we've had recently a couple of informational meetings with the congregation that were really well attended and exciting where um, we shared information and had feedback and input. And we have another method or mode of input seeking, which is what I'm highlighting today. So a survey was emailed out this morning, if you're on the announcements email um, list. And the purpose of this survey is just to kind of get the pulse of the congregation to give another opportunity to provide input and um, ask questions. This survey is not in any way a vote of any kind. It's not a decision-making tool. It's just um, a way for us to, um, like I said, get the pulse of the congregation to gather more information, identify needs and um, determine next steps in our learning process and our decision-making process. So the more people that complete it, the more complete our picture will be. We would love to hear from every single person that is involved in our community. Um, if you are not on the email list where you can already have access to that survey, you can get access by emailing uh, Pastor Christina, whose address is on the paper available today, or we, you can ask in person and we can provide a paper copy as well if that's more um, useful for you. So please, everybody, give your input. We are really looking forward to um, moving forward with this information. Have a great morning. Thank you so much, Leandra. We're going to transition now into a time of shared prayer together, um, and this is an opportunity. I'm going to kneel here at the altar. For those of you who would like to join me, you can do that as well or remain kneeling there in your seat. 
But we're just going to take a few moments to really quiet our souls and our spirits this morning. I'm sure we've come from all sorts of things happening in our life this week and even this morning. So let's just make some space together today. Father, as we come to this time of prayer, we're reminded that spirit and breath are one and the same. So God, I pray that you would help us to be filled anew and afresh with your spirit this morning as we just take a few moments to breathe. Father, as we come into this worship space this morning, we're all too aware of the tension that is present in our lives, the tension between gratitude and lament, between celebration and the mundane of every day, the things that take more of our energy than we feel like we have to give, and the pain that just isn't healing. As we continue to celebrate this season of Eastertide, many of us don't feel very celebratory. So God, I pray that you would allow this Easter story, this truth of the death and the resurrection of Jesus to really speak to our souls this morning. God, I pray that we would believe as we have sung already today that you make all things new. Ask that you would help us to believe that as we are waiting and groaning with the rest of creation, the suffering that we experience is really but for a little while in light of all eternity. God, I just pray that you would minister this morning, that your spirit would just minister to those of us who feel the heaviness of the weight today. I thank you that you are a compassionate father, that you know what we're made of, that aside from your breath in us, that we're just dust, we're just matter. But Lord, when you breathe in us, when you pour your spirit out on us, you make us alive again. And God, I pray that you would continue to bring resurrection 
that we would see the truth that Jesus' resurrection is just the first fruit of all the overcoming that is still coming. Give us the strength to hold on to that truth today. The strength to hold on as we lament continued gun violence in our nation. As we lament the lack of accountability of people in power. The lack of willingness to step up and make change to protect the most vulnerable among us. God, as we hold this heavy lament, I pray that you would minister to our spirits and that we would hold on to the hope that there is overcoming still coming. Father, as we lament the brokenness in our own lives, in our own relationships, we pray that you would breathe new life, that where restoration is good and healthy, that you would bring it, that you would empower us to humble ourselves first, if that be the step that needs to be taken. And Lord, where we need to offer forgiveness in our hearts and have healthy boundaries, I pray that you would give us the strength to make those decisions too. I thank you that the story of Jesus gives us a hope and a joy that doesn't make sense. And I pray that this morning as we're gathered together as this family in this space, that you would help us to open our hands, to release our fists, and to be able to receive those gifts from you this morning, even if we don't feel like we're in a headspace to really understand them. Your gifts are good. Your heart is good. Soften our hearts this morning that we might be able to respond to you. Lord, I thank you for Dr. Reese and her presence with us today. I thank you for the word that she has prepared. I thank you that we will get to hear from your word and that you yourself, your, your very spirit, will be moving and active in this living word. We want to hear from you this morning, so give us ears to hear. And Lord, now as we prepare to pray together the prayer you taught your disciples so many years ago, help us to hear the voices of our family members surrounding us and to remember we are on this path, this journey of discipleship together. As we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I have the privilege of getting to introduce someone very special to you. I'm going to invite Dr. Reese to go ahead and join me up here. Go ahead and give her a warm welcome. Give her a hand as she comes. 
This is Dr. Ruth Ann Reese. She is professor of New Testament at Asbury Seminary, where both John and I attended. And she is a professor I was blessed to have multiple times. Would have taken a few more classes if I didn't need to go on and graduate. Um, but she has an incredible scholar's mind and an incredible pastoral heart. Being in her class was an experience of being part of community and being cared for and experiencing that the truth in Scripture really could live among us. And so I'm really excited for you to get to hear from her this morning because she's an incredible person and also because she comes to us as a scholar this morning. We're starting a new series on the book of 1 Peter, and Dr. Reese published a commentary on the book of 1 Peter last year. And so she has been dwelling in this book for quite a while. There is lots that has been ruminating under the surface for her, and we get to enjoy the fruit of that this morning. And so I hope that you see that as the privilege that it really is. And I just want to invite us to give her one more welcome as I turn over the mic. It's always a privilege to be with you here at Embrace. I w was able to come and visit with one of your Sunday school classes uh, a little while ago in the fall, I think. And so it's great to be with you here in your worship service. So I want to begin um, by reading for you from 1 Peter, and we'll read the opening section together. So we're going to read from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen and destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in abundance. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that was to be yours made careful search and inquiry inquiring about the person or time that the Spirit of Christ within them indicated when it testified in advance to the sufferings destined for Christ and the subsequent glory. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in regard to the things that have now been announced to you through those who brought you good news by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. The word of God for the people of God. 
So it's always good to be back with my brothers and sisters here at Embrace. I'm grateful for your passion as a church to share Jesus with those who are around you. One of the encouragements that Peter gave to the believers in the book we are opening today were the words, even though you have not seen him, you love him. You see, Peter was one of those people who had seen the risen Lord Jesus. He saw him appear behind the locked doors when he was with other disciples who were hiding out because they were terrified for their lives. He saw him again when Thomas was with them. And he saw him yet again at a breakfast cookout on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. But this group of churches, like us, never physically saw the risen Jesus. Despite never seeing the physical body of the risen Jesus, they believed. And they rejoiced with inexpressible joy. Like these early churches, we too are invited to share in the experience of loving Jesus, of trusting Jesus, and rejoicing because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. So when I was invited to introduce you to the book of 1 Peter on the Sunday after Easter, I was really excited to say yes. You see, this book is about resurrection life. It's about hope in the midst of suffering and opposition. It was written to believers who were scattered across what is today modern-day Turkey. The people who made up these churches, they were not the elites of the cities and the states that this book was written to. No, these were people that Peter refers to as exiles. They were people who were living displaced lives far away from their homeland. They were, we could say, people without a home. And within these churches made up of these exiles or resident aliens, Peter chooses to address directly those whose lives are most difficult. He deliberately picks out slaves and women who are married to unbelieving husbands as the two groups that he will address by their category, by their status. These are two groups of faithful believers, these slaves and these women who are married to unbelievers, who will become models of what it looks like to live the resurrection life in the midst of suffering. And so this book, it's not a book written to all the best people and all the most fabulous people. It's the book written to the people who are far from home and who find themselves in difficult circumstances. But it's written with the hope of the resurrection at its core. Peter reminds them right away about who they are. They are people who have been chosen by God. Now, Peter, right, he's a good Jewish guy who grew up in a good Jewish family, and he loves the Old Testament. Remember, the Old Testament was Peter's Bible. And throughout this book, in 1 Peter, he will quote from and allude to the Old Testament over and over and over again. When Peter says to them, 
You are God's chosen people. You are called as God's chosen. He is alluding to that great covenant story from Exodus, where God delivered a people from the oppressive, enslaving power of Egypt and brought them to Sinai, where God bound himself in covenant to the people that he had delivered. This group of churches, they may be living in exile, they may be far from home, but they are part of God's chosen covenant people. The covenant that God made with Israel set them apart from the rest of the nations. So too, the church is set apart from the world around it. And we are set apart by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Now, sanctifying, that's one of those big churchy words, one of those words we find in the Bible or we find if you go off to seminary or something like that. It literally just means to be set apart, to be distinctive. But it means to be distinctive in the sense of being pure, being clean. And that's the work that the Holy Spirit does. Now, notice that. It's the work the Holy Spirit does. We don't do that work. We don't make ourselves clean. It's what the Holy Spirit does to set us apart, even as God set apart his chosen people at Sinai. Finally, in the Old Testament, covenants were ratified with blood. And this chosen people finds that it is, it is confirmed in their identity as God's chosen people through the blood of Jesus. So from the very opening, we're only in verse 2 of the book. From the very opening of this book, we recognize that the death of Jesus has power to bring us into relationship with God. This covenant identity, the church as God's chosen people, set apart from the world by the power of the Spirit and confirmed by the blood of Jesus, outweighs any other identity that they might have. So the identity that the world wants to give them is the identity exile, the identity resident alien. The identity that the world wants to give them is slave. Right? But this identity as God's chosen people outweighs all those other identities. And it doesn't matter what your status is in the eyes of the world or what roles you yourself or others might expect you to fill. Right? Sometimes we expect ourselves to fill various roles. And sometimes other people place those expectations on us. But the most important thing is that you are a member of God's chosen covenant people. That is your ultimate identity. Now, when we hear these words, um, no, I should say, notice that I didn't say that you are God's chosen. I said you are invited to be a member of God's covenant community. You see, when we hear the words you are chosen, we, um, in English, we have singular you in our head. Um, and we might hear something like, I am God's chosen one, and oh my, then we just start expanding, you know, swelling up with some pride. Um, but the whole of 1 Peter, and indeed most of the New Testament, is not addressed to individuals, but to communities. God is choosing the church. He is covenanting with the church. And all of us are invited to participate in this covenantal community. Now, there's a tension here, right? The tension of individually we are invited to 
participate in this community, and we are invited to experience the work of the Holy Spirit making us clean, and we are invited to know the power of the blood of Jesus that makes that covenant possible, but we're invited into that together, all of us together. Now, the response in verse 3, the response to this good news is to bless God, to praise him and give thanks to him. Why? Because in verse 3, it tells us he has given us new birth. It's through this new birth that we become part of the family of God. So we have two kinds of pieces here, covenant identity and familial identity. And as members of that new family, God wants to give us three things. Three things. If you're taking notes, here they are. Living hope. I'm going to talk about each one of these. Living hope, an imperishable inheritance, and finally, salvation. Living hope. Peter is explicit that our living hope comes about through Jesus' resurrection from the dead. It's the very fact of the resurrection of Jesus. That's what makes our hope living rather than wishful thinking. Hope is the emotion that allows us to set goals and think about the future. But hope has to be based in reality. And the reality is Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And when we have our hope based in that reality of who Jesus is, that allows us to live lives that have purpose and direction and that anticipate a future that we will find ultimately in the presence of God. Secondly, an imperishable inheritance. Now, the reality is that not every family has the means to pass on a monetary inheritance to their children. And the other reality is that even those families that do have the means to pass on a monetary inheritance to their children have no way of guaranteeing the value of that inheritance in the future. We all know that stock portfolios are fickle and that the spending power of cash decreases. We know these things. But what we are promised and offered as members of God's family is an imperishable inheritance. Not only that, it's inheritance that's kept in the presence of God. What I like to say to students, this is the best banking system. It's the safest place that one can keep that inheritance. We never have to worry that the inheritance will disappear or become unavailable or depreciate in value. But what is this inheritance that we're looking forward to? Well, first of all, I have to say, Peter doesn't spell it out. We could wish a little bit more uh, detail from the apostle. But I want to suggest that it is a portion in the kingdom of God. And that what we are invited to is this kind of anticipation that we will be with God and that we will have a place, a portion, a segment of the kingdom that is our inheritance. Third, the third gift that's given to those in God's family is salvation. Peter describes this salvation as something that's ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, here's the thing. His audience is already 
part of the covenant community. They have already experienced new birth. In other words, they have already experienced salvation. But their lives, their lives still need more. They still need final completion, right? We all know the suffering, the pain, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that make our lives long for that perfect completion in Christ. And what he says is that this is a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last day. When is that last day? When Jesus Christ, the risen Lord Jesus Christ, will return and be revealed in that last day. And what will happen then? He will set everything right in this world. Remember, you are part of God's chosen people, born into a new family, and given these gifts of hope, inheritance, and at the end of time, the full experience of salvation. Now, this all sounds great, and I've heard a few souls out there saying amen, and I appreciate every one of you. Who doesn't want to be a part of this? Indeed, in verse 6, it is this very set of truths that we are invited to rejoice in. But Peter goes right on in verse 6. And the very next thing he talks about is sorrow and suffering. I've thought it's interesting in our worship how already we've been mixing these two things, sorrow and suffering and rejoicing, together in one worship service, one experience of God's presence. You see, these churches that were scattered across modern-day Turkey, they knew what it was like to experience a variety of trials, and they knew about the grief and suffering that comes along with those trials. Peter wasn't only talking about the normal trials of everyday life. This was a church that experienced suffering from their neighbors, people who mocked them because of their righteousness, because of their good deeds, people who took advantage of their integrity, and people who may have used the political system to harass followers of Jesus. For Peter, who had suffered for his own faith in Jesus, this was really no surprise. But he encourages this scattered group of people by reminding that, them that in the end, the testing of their faith is part of how their faith is refined. And in the end, those whose faith is shown to be genuine will experience praise and honor and glory at the last day when the living, resurrected Jesus is revealed. The Christian faith can be an experience of mixed emotions. On the one hand, we are God's people, experiencing new life by God's mercy and receiving the gifts that come through belonging to that new family. We have every reason to rejoice in the reality of what God has given and the reality of who God has made us to be. At the same time, to the world, we look strange because of our faith, or at least we should. And that very difference can lead to rejection and pain and suffering. And as human beings, that causes sorrow, mixed emotions, 
rejoicing and sorrow at the very same time. And as if that's not enough, we are living with anticipation. It's another emotion. Right? First of all, I have to say, when you're looking through 1 Peter in this upcoming series, 1 Peter has a lot about emotion, hope and fear and sorrow and anticipation. These are, they're all there in the book. So keep your eyes out for the way that Peter uses emotion, because lots of times we don't talk about how the emotion comes across in the biblical text, but it's there, and I want you to be looking for it. So that other, along with rejoicing and sorrow, there's this other emotion of anticipation, like, oh, Lord, when are you going to make this all right? right? That emotion is also there, part of our reality that we experience. So Peter begins, all 3, 1 through 12, he begins by naming our identity as God's chosen covenant people and by reminding us that we belong to a new family. He begins by reminding us that our association with the good news brings about both rejoicing and sorrow, and he begins by reminding us that the salvation we have received is a great gift that even the angels in heaven wish they could look into. This great reality of God's salvation, notice that it is God's salvation, it's always what God is doing, is the foundation from which the rest of the book unfolds. Now, I want to take a big liberty with the, the last part of this sermon. And basically, I want to leap right ahead into the middle of the book to chapter 3, um, verses 18 to 22. And I want to do this for two reasons. Um, first of all, you're going to find out as you read and study that Peter, this is one of the things I love about his book, it is intertwined with instruction, like imperative, do this, do this, do this, do this, and then theology, and this is the reason. And then do this, and this is the reason, and do this, and this is the reason. That's the pattern in, in Peter's book. It's different than if you're reading Paul. Paul likes to say theology, th- no, he likes to say, yeah, theology, 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 and then do this. That's, that's Paul. But Peter's much more intertwined with his instructions and his theology. So you guys are going to get to see all of that as you read and study and think about this. But on this second Sunday in Easter, I want to leap ahead to chapter 3, verses 18 to 22. First, I'm leaping ahead to this section because it provides a wonderful narrative that fits perfectly into this Easter season. And second, it highlights the deep theology of 1 Peter. So just to set the context, Peter has just instructed them to be ready to speak to others about their faith. And he's reminded them that they may experience suffering for speaking about their faith and for doing good. In this context, Once again, a context that points towards suffering, pain, and sorrow. This is what we read. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. Now the parts of the passage that I want to focus on are those that have to do with Jesus Christ. If we follow this carefully, we see that Jesus suffered for sins. Peter is unusual in highlighting Jesus' suffering on the cross 
rather than his death on the cross. One of the reasons for this is that Peter wants to show Christians that the one they follow and belong to also suffered. Jesus' suffering on the cross makes possible our relationship with God. Our own suffering has the potential to be a refining fire that draws us closer to God. The suffering of Jesus and our own suffering both have the potential to bring us into deeper relationship with God. Jesus was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. These two phrases refer to Jesus' death, followed by his resurrection. Now I'm going to skip over the next two verses. They're actually very difficult. Um, And if you want to talk to me about them after church, you can. But I'm going to skip over that to verse 21. Baptism now saves you through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is not baptism alone that saves you. Baptism without the resurrection of Jesus is nothing. The resurrection itself is the means of salvation, right? Baptism now saves you through the resurrection. Sometimes we focus on the crucifixion, on the death of Jesus as the locus of salvation. So we hear something like, Jesus died for my sins. And that is true, but it's not enough. We need the resurrection also. It isn't enough for someone to die. In fact, anyone can do that. And indeed, sometimes a person can be saved through the death of another person. Some heroic act that someone performs that saves the life of another person in which they spend their own life. But it is the resurrection that makes Jesus' death unique and demonstrates that he not only died, but that he conquered death and did away with sin. This is what empowers us for the covenantal and familial life rooted in resurrection hope. And what we find is that this resurrected Christ has ascended into heaven, and there he reigns with God. It is both the death and resurrection of Jesus that makes fully possible our participation in God's covenant and in God's family. Our capacity to live as faithful members of the covenant community is rooted in Jesus' faithfulness in suffering and his triumph in resurrection. Our ability to live as people who belong to a holy family is embedded in acknowledging that trials and suffering happens and that sorrow and grief are real and appropriate emotions within the family of God. While at the same time, here's the thing, while at the same time, holding on to the joy that is ours because we know the power of the resurrection to overcome death and destruction and despair. Our willingness to live lives that testify testify by their very actions to the good gifts of God is foolishness unless the death and resurrection of Jesus really do away with sin and really empower new life among believers. So as we go out today, may we take with us a recognition that our true identity, the identity given to all of us gathered together in the church by God, is the identity of his covenant people, chosen, set apart, ratified with the blood of Jesus. May we go out knowing that whatever status society might want to pigeonhole us with, our true identity is 
you are a member of the family of God. And as we go out, may we go out knowing that we may experience joy and sorrow, hope and grief, trials and suffering, but we experience those as people who have been called into relationship with God and with one another through the reality of Jesus' suffering, his death, and his resurrection. Amen. Amen. We're going to take communion together this morning as we do every week, and I'm so excited we're back to the old way of taking it, because what better way for us to remind ourselves and to act out our identity together this morning? We come to this communion table together as the family of God, as the community of God's people. And scripture tells us that when we participate in Jesus's death, we participate also in his resurrection. And so we come this morning to take of this feast, to remember and to take into ourselves the death of Jesus so that we might also be empowered by the truth of his resurrection. And so we, as we prepare this morning to share this feast together, we do it remembering what Jesus has done for us, remembering that suffering, and also anticipating and participating in a feast that's yet to come. When we are at the end of all things, as Dr. Reese said, when all things will be made right, and the family of God, the people of God, will share together in a feast with him right there in his presence, this is a foretaste of that. So there's a lot of power in this practice that we do together And I want us just to take a few moments of silence to really bring some gratitude before God this morning, to maybe offer up any lament that's still lingering because they're together at the same time, but then just to thank him for the opportunity we have to take on this identity and to participate in both his death and his resurrection. Father, we do come to the table this morning grateful. Grateful that we get to come together. Grateful that we who were once isolated and lonely, not really belonging anywhere, that now we are a people and a family who belong to you. We come grateful that the darkness that we have carried and the sin that we have chosen and the hurt that we have caused is not our identity, but that we receive forgiveness in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. God, we accept that forgiveness anew this morning. As we've confessed together already in this service, we know how much we need it. And so, Lord, we accept your forgiveness and your invitation to the table. 
And God, I pray that as we come this morning, you would allow this moving of our bodies, this getting up and walking forward and receiving the tangible bread and juice, Lord, that you would allow all of those actions to be step by step, reminding us of who we really are. And that as you are really truly here with us this morning, that your presence would transform us, would continue to sanctify us, to do a new thing in us, and that we might leave here this morning prepared to live as people of the resurrection that we might be empowered to go about our week differently. That where we might have held only grief before, we would now bring hope and hold it alongside that grief. That we might experience joy in the same moments that we experience suffering. It sounds like a tall order, but that's what you're in the business of doing, God. We believe it. We declare it and accept it this morning. And so, God, as we prepare to come to this table, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and juice and that they would be for us the body and blood of Christ. That we, as we take them into our individual bodies, would be one united body, one family belonging to you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took the bread and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body broken for you. And then he passed around what would have seemed like an ordinary drink of wine for them. We have juice. And he said, This is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. And so we do this this morning in remembrance of him. And I'll remind you just a few instructions. We're going to form a line down the middle to come forward. And if you are not comfortable coming forward, you are welcome to still stand up and use your body and go get a cup from the back. There are prepackaged communion cups back there, and there are gluten-free options in both places. So you have the option to go wherever you would like to go this morning. I'll invite our communion servers to go ahead and come forward. And then as they get situated up here and as the worship band leads us in a final song this morning, I invite you just to come forward as you feel ready. Just continue to worship in your spirit this morning to really allow the Lord to kind of plant your identity more firmly in you as we continue to rehearse and practice and walk out our story together.
Lord has been with us this morning and he goes with us as we leave this place. Before I give us the benediction this morning, I want to invite Dan Fowler just to come up and share a short word with us. We have something exciting happening here on our very grounds this morning before you leave this place. So Dan, the microphone is right there. Yes. Uh, hi there. Um, so I'm Dan. I run uh, Matchstick Goods, which is the social enterprise component of Common Good, which is the nonprofit uh, that exists right here in our basement that many of you guys faithfully contribute to, volunteering, donating, and otherwise. Um, Matchstick Goods is in its third year of existence right now. Um, in that time, we've gotten to hire and mentor 10 students and three graduates. Um, and one of my favorite things about our mission and our uh, team is just the amount of diversity of backgrounds and cultures, um, expression. Um, it's really an eclectic bunch of folks. Um, and one thing that we realized recently, though, is that a lot of our products don't really quite reflect the level of expression, the, the, the diversity of um, our team. And so um, this year we've embarked on a process to kind of rectify that. And so uh, we are going through this process to align our, uh, the visual look of our products with the culture and the expression of our team. Um, so over the past several months we've been planning and designing new products um, and tweaking old products. Uh, these new pieces will be heavily inspired by uh, traditional uh, Congolese and Mexican ceramic design. Uh, they'll feature a variety of new patterns and colors. Uh, we're really excited around about these new pieces, uh, but they're not quite ready for you yet. Um, so today we have a sale going on in the cafe right now, like right after service. Um, we have a, new, a, a few new pieces to show you, um, including a couple of really nice, um, large, custom uh, what we call artist creations. They're custom one-off pieces that uh, Jason Ruger, our ceramicist, and Isabel Gomez, our studio supervisor, made. They're really, really beautiful. Uh, so go check those out. Uh, we're also running that huge sale. Um, if you follow us, you know that doesn't happen very often. So um, go hop on that. Uh, so yeah, just come over uh, to the cafe right after service. Even if you're not looking to buy anything, that's fine. Come check out the products. Come see what we've been up to encourage our students. They do a really, really good job. So, yeah, thank you. Thanks, Dan. One of the things God is up to in the world is creating beauty and partnering with those who do. So go see some beauty, whether you're going to buy something or not. All right, now I invite you to stand and join me for our benediction. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Amen. Go in peace.